0: All right, guys, i got a good one for you this week. Here we go. There exists a threat. From anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion, and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tine studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. Uh, really looking forward to this episode. I got this one set up through my buddy Scott over at Eastman's, and uh, the guest today, Kevin Estella, with Fieldcraft Survival, is online. How you doing,
1: brother? Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Oh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Did I say your last name right?
1: Yeah, you did. Uh, a lot of people screw it up. They say Estrella. There's no R in there. There's no double L in there. So you got it right. Congratulations. Sweet.
0: Hey, I feel pretty good, man. I, Because usually I, I've got like a 90% miss rate. So getting one right every once in a while, I guess even a blind squirrel finds a nut.
1: <laughs> so, damn right. Damn right.
0: Sweet, man. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Like I said, um, I'm, I really love the concept behind Fieldcraft Survival. Uh, I, I love the whole platform. I've been following it for a long time, um, and and uh, just the the survival aspect and learning how to have those skills in your back pocket, especially for hunters, whether you're out west or, or wherever in North America, you never know when they're going to come in handy, and so uh, let's kick it off with, kind of give us a, a little bit of background on you and how you got involved with Fieldcraft Survival, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, sure thing. So I grew up in Connecticut. Um, you know, lifelong outdoorsman. My dad taught me how to how to fish. You know, we took the hunter safety course together. You know, we went camping and whatnot. Influenced uh, mine. He up in the Philippines my grandfather pretty much all of the town into the jungle, and they lived there from forty one until forty five. So as a kid, you Wait, know, did a lot.
0: Kevin, you kind of broke yeah. up there. Can you, right before you talked about in 41 and 45, where did you say that was?
1: Uh, It was in the Philippines. Oh, gotcha. The Philippines. And, uh, you know, my grandfather moved the entire town into the jungle and they lived there in a cave. So little kid, little Kevin, right? He wants to hear all about his dad and all the cool stuff that his dad did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a kid, I, I did all these camping trips. and My dad taught me a bunch of skills and I never lost the passion for that. Um, and then what happened was, over the course of course, my lifetime started getting into more and more outdoor skills, canoeing, kayaking, scuba, skiing. Um, and then in somewhere in my early twenties, I was like, time to formalize the outdoor education and see if all the stuff that I've been doing my whole life was legit or if I was full of shit. So, yeah. uh, I was training at the main primitive skills school, Jack mountain bushcraft, I eventually met, uh, my, uh, second mentor. My, my late friend, Marty, uh, him and his wife down in North Carolina. I went to his survival school and then next thing you know, he's inviting me up to become a survival instructor. And I taught there from 2007 to 2012. The whole time I was with Marty and Aggie and the Wilderness Learning Center. I was writing magazine articles and I was, you know, doing product testing for a number of companies. I eventually started my own company. I wrote my book. Uh, Mike Glover, my boss over at Fuelcraft, he eventually read my book. Uh, told his then girlfriend, he was like, hey, this is the guy that I want to do the survival stuff at Fuelcraft because he teaches modern stuff. He knows the primitive stuff. Uh, he's a bushcrafter and he likes guns. So uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike My kind of guy. He, yeah, he, he's like, all right. So I'm going to podcast him. We talked for like 90 minutes. We get off the podcast. We talk for another 90 minutes about both being the same age, both being six foot tall, half Asians, you know, all sorts of like commonalities and uh next you know he offers me a job and you know i was already working as a full-time high school history teacher but quite honestly man i'll tell you the way that high school education was going public education was going i could not exist as a straight uh half-white male hunter right-wing teacher in that crazy woke world that Mm. public education was becoming and i said scratch where, that i'm out of here where were you teaching yeah, at and i uh, i was teaching in, in bristol connecticut oh gotcha don't okay. get me wrong I, I love i love my my co-workers and i love my my students that i had there but it was just the bureaucracy and the politics that was trickling down from the state and the national level that i just had enough with so mm. after teaching for 14 years i joined fieldcraft in 2021 and uh you know made the trip across country set up shop and, you know, became the director of survival training.
0: Man, that is super interesting. I had no idea you were a history teacher. So are are you like a history buff?
1: I I am a kind of a little bit of a history nerd. You know, I I had my my bachelor's and my master's in American studies with a strong concentration in in American history. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely not the, the vending machine of historical facts and whatnot, but I can definitely, Uh, hold my own when it comes to explaining concepts over time. And uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that I was a, I was a teacher. They all assume that I have like military or law enforcement background and I have neither. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, I don't pretend that either. I'm not a loser uh, that (laughs) pretends to have this, this valor that I don't have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just, I, I just enjoy being an outdoorsman, a lifelong uh, like I said, a lifelong sportsman, outdoorsman, and, and someone who enjoys sharing the skills and the, and the passion for the great outdoors with others.
0: So it's it's interesting, dude. I, like like you said, I I just I never would have pegged you for a, a high school teacher, and I I totally get your sentiment in terms of. I don't know. I don't know how anybody sensible can teach in this woke environment. I, I mean, my my wife and I we homeschool our kids. Uh, a lot of it is because of that reason. And so, um, anyways, that, that's a whole other podcast episode. But um, so you joined up with Mike Glover, and who? Yeah. You know, one thing I I would say about Mike that I I was really impressed with his. He did this like just. Um, marathon YouTube video after that school shooting down in Texas and he was dead nuts accurate with everything he's I really liked what he said I, I feel like he was able to articulate what the sentiment of a lot of people are that have just a reasonable tangible common sense uh, outlook on on those kind of events and how reactions should have taken place especially with people with military or police uh, law enforcement background he did a great job with that what's it like working for Mike Glover man well
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, piggyback on what you just said about that Uvalde shooting video. So around the same time that Uvalde happened, one of my very, very good hunting buddies, one of my best friends back home, Dave P. I won't give his last name because he's still a uh, reserve state trooper. Um, he did a, a, a career as a state trooper. He responded to Sandy Hook. Oh, so wow. Okay. He was, he was there. And Dave was in Heber, when mike was in heber and i was in heber and i was like hey uh, you guys both were in the ranger regiment at one point you guys need to meet mm-hmm. so we all went out to lunch and mike meet like, to podcast dave so he and i podcasted and between the three of us the conversations that were had about how they just blundered and how you know the the fear of acting and, and the fear of uh, retribution you know for for acting too soon and, and like the the Doing something that the public would view as really made those guys freeze in place. Um, it was it was just amazing timing that the, the three of us could talk because, you know, I was a teacher when stuff happened. I was 25 minutes away from there, mm. um, and Dave was a, a, a state trooper that responded, and Mike just had the video about Uvalde, and and we just had this amazing conversation. Um, so it was it was just awesome. Uh, and yes, he was a lot of folks come out and say you know mike was never a cop but he he got inside the cops heads and he he called them out the way you should and and there's no there there's nothing wrong with with shaming people right mm-hmm. uh, within my good group of friends we always say shame is a great motivator and it will keep you from doing dumb stuff but you can also use shame to prevent future people from doing the stupid stuff that others have in the past yeah. um so now onto your question what's it like working for mike uh, mike is very high energy Mike has a million and one great ideas. And many times it's like, all right, guys, do this, 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 this. And, you know, as employees of the company, we have to try to, you know, okay, what is the priority project? And everything becomes a priority. So, you know, we've had a lot of great successes over the years. We've had a lot of great ideas. Um, Mike is is the type where he wants to see it kind of drawn out quite literally on a piece of paper, whiteboard or, or blackboard. And then he'll, he'll get in on it um but he's also the type that just comes up with an idea and he's like all right kev uh like my thing last year he goes you a ziploc bag with whatever you can fill in it 72 hours in the woods just go and i'm like jesus mike come on man you know like <laughs> and then as soon as, I got, as soon as i got back from that one which was in the high desert with triple digits over the, the three days not yeah. uh not just three days but 72 hours within an hour of me getting back he told me i have to do another one you know what I mean? Like, so Fieldcraft wow. is a highly dynamic place to work, and there are folks. We've had a lot of people come and go, um, just because they're not used to that type of environment. Um, mm-hmm. And quite honestly, when Kevin Owens, uh, who is one of my best friends at the company, I'm going to be working directly under him at at Fieldcraft East. When I joined, Kevin was like, "Oh, I don't know if this Estella guy is going to going to last because he's a teacher, and you know he's used to things being run a certain way." Well. I I'm doing just fine. Like I'm flourishing. Uh, I've, I've told everyone at the company, I'm like, tell me one thing that I've done where I've screwed up or I failed at an assignment and they're like, we can't, you know? So yeah, it's a, it's a highly dynamic place to work, but it's a lot of fun and, and it be extremely stressful, but at the same time, uh, it's, it's very rewarding.
0: So for the, the, the like 1% of people that, um, might not know who, what Fieldcraft survival is, can you give us like the, I don't know the Genesis mission or the or like the the, the basic foundational um, goal uh, mission statement of what fieldcraft survival is and what you guys strive to teach.
1: Absolutely. So we are preparing good American citizens for worst case scenarios, and that worst case scenario could be a car crash. That worst case scenario could be a hunting accident, and we're providing that through various types of training, whether it's survival training, land nav training, medical training mobility training, firearms training, resilience, whatever it may be. We're also providing equipment, and that is to load out your vehicle, load out your person, your everyday carry, and so on and so on. But then we're also educating people through multimedia and YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of our, our in-person trainings and things like that. So we really stand on three legs. We stand on training, we stand on products, and we stand on media. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And the training is just uh, as a as a clarifier, I suppose. You guys, you guys do training uh, like weekends or whatever events in Utah and in North Carolina, correct?
1: That's correct. And in many points in between, we have a lot of partner ranges and we have a lot of instructors that are strategically located on not far from these partner ranges, so it's not uncommon to have training. Well, I'm
0: losing you, Kevin. I, I don't know if that's from my end or is that from your end? uh,
1: so. uh I, haven't, I haven't moved at all and I've got full bars over here man so okay I
0: don't know. It, it's probably so i I don't know if you know this but i I live on a mountain in North Idaho and I usually have really good service it's showing I have full bars, but it's probably my end sometimes it just cuts out sorry about that,
1: that that's fine yeah Scott Reekers was telling me that you uh you're pretty much off the grid and you're living the life
0: well I wouldn't say I wouldn't say off grid uh we we had we I have power now as of last year uh and okay. as of uh, last winter we have a well so we have running water and power and uh yeah man we're, we're living in a fifth wheel until uh we get the house built so uh that looks like it's going to happen next uh this coming spring hopefully um so we're not off grid but we are homesteading we you know we, we raise animals and uh we've got 26 acres and we try to uh, we try to live as much off the land as possible uh, through wild game and our garden and and uh, the you know the animals that we raise and whatnot and so yeah uh, in terms of living the life I'd say he nailed it.
1: <laughs> what part <laughs> of uh, Idaho is that? You're talking like way up in like north of Coeur d'Alene?
0: Yeah, so we're about an hour and a half north of Coeur d'Alene. Uh, We we did live in Coeur d'Alene a couple of years ago. Sold our place down there and now we live up in Clark Fork, Idaho, which is. Uh, if you just keep going up the, the main highway 95 there, you'll hit Sandpoint and ha- uh, head towards Montana from there. And we're right on the Montana border.
1: Yeah. One of my good friends, Bill Rapier, is up in Priest River.
0: Oh, yeah, man. So so that's about 40 minutes away from me. Uh, straight yeah, you across. Should
1: probably, you, should to, you should try to connect with him. Uh, Bill is on the same mission as Fieldcraft. Uh, Bill okay. is one of my buddies in and And Bill is, is a great American, former Navy SEAL, uh, outstanding trainer. Um, but yeah like I said same mission as, as us you know we're trying to all teach civilians survival skills
0: yeah I, I love it man I, I love this topic I, I love the concept of because here here's the thing and I, I don't want to go down some uh, you, you know dramatic uh, rant or anything but the my thought is the the American man these days is lacking in these skills and and it is troubling it, it, there is there is this weak mindset that's out there uh m- many of them would have no idea what to do in high intensity or traumatic or or um, challenging situations that would put not just them but everybody else around them at risk. and and there's this risk aversion that, that where or, or like a, a level of stress aversion. I don't know if I'm explaining that right. It just is always the point to try to avoid it with with folks and and it, it troubles me. I, I I'm troubled by, the weak minds of of today, and 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 that's why when I look at something like fieldcraft survival and the mission, and and you and Mike Glover and, and others out there, and, and I'd love to connect with your buddy in Priest River, um, th- it, it gives me hope that that sense of self reliance, uh, that that sense of can do attitude, and and just the survivability and the will to survive in any environment or situation is still out there because I, I it do sometimes, I don't know. I don't care if you're watching TV or sometimes I travel to these big urban areas, uh, man, it is disappointing. It is the, the societal norms of today are, are frightening and disappointing to me.
1: Here's, here's what it boils down to. It's, it boils down to the idea that people choose weakness way too frequently over strength. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've said this before and I've been called all different names in the book and, and I'm totally fine with people not liking me because they probably don't accept the truth. And yeah. I only speak the truth. And I'll say this. We've taught courses where we've done kill classes with chickens and I'll say, all right, who here, who among you is a hunter? And I'll find out which of my students has ever actually shot something or, or killed something. And then I can tell who has already like, okay, if they're being honest, they've already cleaned an animal, but I say, all right, all of you, I don't need you. Those do that haven't stepped forward. And I have chickens and to see, to see people who have never cleaned an animal before realize, wow, that's what it takes to dispatch an animal and turn it into a family sized portion. That's a powerful experience. And I've watched people with two fingers, you know, kind of work their way around an animal. I'm like, get your hands dirty. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just blood, you know? Um, the whole idea of choosing weakness as opposed to strength that transcends so many other aspects too, right? Like guys will say, well, I can't carry the full size pistol on my belt to protect my family because it's uncomfortable. So I'm going to carry this little pocket gun. And I just laugh and I'm like full size man carries a non full size gun and when you ask that question, they're like, Oh, that, that hurts, you know, because Mm -hmm. what can you be more, what can you be more capable with? It's going to be the better platform. Um, you know, and then when people say, Oh, you know, uh, you you know, over the weekend, I can't wait to to pig out this and that. And Oh, on Monday, Oh, I feel terrible. It's like, you made a choice. You're going to have to live with that. Like you had a fun time with that game. You didn't have to choose that weakness, but you did. You know, as opposed to saying, all right, I'm going to live my life in moderation, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because I think it's our responsibility to be ready, our responsibility to be the person who is either going to get it done or they're not going to get it done. But ideally, you're the person that others are going to rely on, and we say all the time there's a lot of maxims to live by, but we say, would you want you to come rescue you? (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like,
0: I love that question, man. (laughs) That, yeah, that is fantastic. That guy, that, yeah. Because that, that you know, and if that's, if you're not that guy, then, then there's something wrong. I, did I, did I hear that right? Or, or what were you going to say there? I kind of cut you off.
1: No, I was just going to say guy or gal, right? Because mm-hmm. listen, there are some badass women that work with us. Total. Who I would say I would let her drag me off the mountain. She totally could. You know what I mean? Like if you've never seen Kate who works with us at Fieldcraft East, the chick's a power lifter and like, total badass and i would totally trust her to throw me over the shoulder and run me off of a mountain you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so so that's that's part of it is live the life that 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 is the best for you and is the best for your family if something bad were to happen and again would you want the version of you right now to come and rescue you yeah most people can't answer them
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that question, man. I, I'm curious because I I feel like, uh, you're a philosophical guy. You're, you know, you're, you're a thinker. Um, where does this, where does this mindset come from? Where, where does this thought of it's okay to be weak and it's okay to be reliant on, on whether it's other people or the government or some other organization, this, this reliance on every, everything and everybody else and, and this acceptance of, weakness whereas it's like this acceptable thing like I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if if I were that way, does that make sense? So, like, where do you do you have a thought as to where that comes from? Because we haven't always been this way as a society. We, we were a strong nation, a, a nation of self-reliant people that, that had a can do attitude, we, that, that made it through the Great Depression, no matter what, come high, high, hell or high water. Uh, th- these people were moving mountains to feed their kids. And now I just feel like everybody freaking gives up. On, on everything they pursue whether it's hunting whether it's a challenging job whether it's something physical whether it's some kind of emotional or mental thing that they need to work their way through to become a better human uh and a better producer in society it's everybody has a crutch and everybody has is a victim and and i don't know where it comes from because this wasn't always the case for americans do you have a thought on that There is only one call company here at the Western Huntsman, and that is Phelps Game Calls, born out of hunting, and the necessity to make the best calls on the market. Jason Phelps started this company in his garage back in 2009, and now he's got some of the finest lineup of elk calls, turkey calls, predator calls, waterfowl calls available on the market. If you guys go to the website check it out and get what you need and if you're in the market when you go to checkout use promo code huntsman10 for 10% off whether you're just getting started or have expert level calling skills check it out at phelps game calls get them close hoffman boots is a fourth generation owned boot company a family of shoemakers based in north idaho i've been sporting a pair of hoffmans for close to a decade and i really like the hoffman explorer in the eight inch it's the best boot out there so check it out at HoffmanBoots.com and you'll see the whole lineup of hunting boots and lineman boots and pack boots and everything else right there on the website and if you choose to purchase a pair of boots make sure you use the promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 for 10 percent off Scree gear, extreme high performance hunting attire and gear that is scientifically tested. Complete layering systems and some of the finest merino wool products to keep you warm and comfortable. And it's all backed by a great company. What I really like about Scree is if you go to the website, they have these bundle options like the elk bundle or the whitetail bundle or the turkey bundle, all that stuff that'll get you completely outfitted for your favorite hunt. The starter bundle is a really good deal. Make sure you check that out. They've got the VIP sizing guarantee and so you can exchange something if it doesn't fit right at absolutely no charge to you. Guys, it's a great warranty, great company and at checkout as always use promo code the western huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. The Elk Collective, folks, the best investment you can make when it comes to hunting is what's between your ears. Having elk knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while versus those who notch a tag every single year so go to the elk collective and sign up there's over 150 videos in this online course to teach you everything you need to know by some of the best experts to ever enter the elk woods it's a great program at a great price guys and if you use the promo code the western huntsman you're going to get 20 bucks off of your entire course so instead of $89, bucks, you will get it for $69. And now that September is over and we're into October and November and all these fall hunts, if you get it now, you're going to have an entire year to go through all this course. And believe me, you're going to need it. There's so much content in there. So check it out and use the promo code, the Western Huntsman, all one word. Last but not least is Tacticam. Guys, you know I've been using Tacticam for a very long time. I really like my Tacticam 5.0s. I like my Tacticam in the wide lens so you can get that kind of wider angle and shot. Uh, the, they've upgraded now, they've got the Tacticam 6.0, which is super cool. I can't wait to get mine. And also the cell cams. Don't forget about the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. They've got a bunch of different series of these things, and I've got them all over my property so I know what's going on at all times. Whether I got a bear that's coming after my chickens, or if I have an intruder down at the driveway, or if I have a giant monster whitetail buck. Over in my hunting spot, I know what is going on at all times. I love my Tacticam bills, guys. Check it out at Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here
1: we go. 100% I do, man. And I'll tell you, this one comes from my buddy Justin Garcia. Uh, Justin's another Cyoc guy, good friend of mine. He's a multiple black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, power lifter, good guy out of the Bronx, and again, another thinker, and he wrote a book called tribal nomics. Okay. One of the, the best books you'll ever read about the, the benefit of having a true tribe and listen, the term tribe has been bastardized over the years by radio show hosts and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is used to, to market people, but a true tribe is a small collection of like-minded people on a common mission, right? Well, people have lost their tribe people have lost a true small community that is going to hold them accountable. And because they don't have that accountability, they're allowed to skate by. And again, if you are in a tribe, then you have to pull your weight. You have to pull your fair share of the workload or else you don't have value. And if you don't have value in an organization, then you don't have a ranking in that organization, or you don't have a status in that organization, but people now are, disregarding or i should say discarding discarding their tribe for social acceptance on a grander scale with artificial uh interactions right social media artificial and, meaning
0: like they're trying to impress people they don't even really know is that what you're saying
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah right or they're doing something like they're wearing like one of my big pet peeves i will never ever ever wear a professional sports jersey with some other man's name on his back i know i'm not living my life I'm not living my life to honor that guy i'm if i'm gonna wear a name on my back it's my own or it's the name of a company that i i that has a family name and believe in but here's the thing like i don't think people understand where they should be investing their time their energy where they should be investing all of their emotional work everything that they do and i think that's the reason why it's okay for people to be weak i think that's why they're like well No one's holding me accountable or people won't see this or i can put Mm -hmm. out onto social media uh what i manufacture but in reality i'm a total dirtbag or i'm a loser or whatever like people edit their lives and put it out on social media if you were to get off social media and be in a small community small organization where everyone cares about everyone and says look you're screwing up do your job well guess what now that weakness is going to get thrown out the window
0: this is exactly why. Which, by the way, I just found this tribal nomics book, guys. It's uh, for for those listening. It's on Amazon. You can get it either audiobook or paperback. Tribalnomics: Laws, Leadership, and Tactics for the Tribal Minded. Um, I just bought it, so I'm going to listen to that tomorrow. I'll be on the road again. I think that that what what you're talking about there. You know, the the dichotomy of that mindset is there's also this big push for this uh, socialistic system in America, where where it's like you know, let's all make the same amount and, and, and under the theory is we're all going to put in the same amount of effort. And the reality is, is that's never going to be the case. This is why the, the American system of freedom and self-reliance has provided the highest level of human comfort in, a, in the history of the world. But to, to sit there from, from these folks that act like they're victims and that they, they will, um, uh, have you ever seen that movie My Cousin Vinny? Oh yeah. You know how um what's his name? What the the, the lawyer, Joe Joe Pesci or Joe something? Pesci. Yeah, yeah. Um I like that dude. But he's in he's in the jail talking to his uh his clients, his nephews or whatever, and he's holding up that, that card. Uh it's it's like a playing card, and and he's he's talking about how the the, the sides are real uh, straight and and everything looks perfect. It's symmetrical, but then you turn the card sideways and it's paper thin. And he's and he's implying that the case that the prosecution has against him is paper thin, like that card. And that's what I think social media does to the average person out there. And they they have this card that they make look really pretty on social media, and and they have this protection of isolation through social me- media where they feel like they could say shit to people that they couldn't say in person because they get punched in the mouth. And, and that that's okay. And so, but, but the reality is, is their life is as thin as that card. It's, as, it's thin like that because they don't have any confidence. They don't have any aptitude to improve themselves and the mentality in their life and pursue things that are greater than just themselves. And it's a very self-centered way to think. And, um, gosh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going down a, <laughs> I, I promise to try to not go get too philosophical here, but it's uh, for, for me, it's a problem. And I, I think that the, the solution to a lot of this are things like fieldcraft, survival and messages from guys like you and guys like Mike Glover and, and other people out there that are pushing these messages of, of, you know, strength, not just in, in, in body, but strength in mind. And I, I think that that's super important.
1: And, and that's how, how we like to teach, right? We like to teach in universal concepts that overarch from one community to another, to another, or one aspect of life to another, to another. Strength is a universal, right? An example of strength in the classroom is studying ahead of time so you don't have to cheat on the test, right? Mm-hmm. An example of weakness is writing out a cheat sheet or writing on your arm or your leg. Well, guess what? That's weakness and you're probably going to get caught and it says something about your character. Yeah. Strength is something that is good, for firearms right I would rather have a 300 win mag than I would a 243 if I'm going after big game I would rather have that magnum cartridge um strength is universal and I think as long as we remain true to the to the truths that are out there that's how we should live you you mentioned briefly about the idea of you know socialism and I think we're where we're headed in this country which is really really scary is that we're a legal-based system now where we're providing a quality of outcome um, as opposed to a quality of opportunity Mm -hmm. where we are changing or we're allowing folks who don't they're they're not the best person for the job to get the job whether it's a true job or a placement or or an award or whatever as opposed to saying who is the best for the job we need to go back to a merit-based society and there will be those that'll say, "Oh, but it's inherently racist, or inherently classist, or inherently sexist." That is left for nature to to weed out, you know. Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh,
1: if, if one group, if one uh, sex, and I'm not going to say there's 35 different sexes out there, uh, if males or females want to apply, go right ahead. Um, but I think we need to to let let the the outcomes happen on their own, as opposed to forcing them by changing the law.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It, it works so much better when they're, and I hate the word organic, but, but that organic outcome of merit will, it's like, you know, the cream floats to the top. Uh, It's that concept. And, and we do, man, I I mean, just, you kind of nailed it. We, for some reason, we get these doofuses in public office that like, how are we electing them as leaders? How how does this even happen? I don't, and I don't care what side of the aisle they're on. I, I don't understand how that even happens, and and that's a whole other rant and a whole other podcast episode in itself. But <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to stay on topic, man. But this is uh this is good stuff. So, um, I I want to get back to the the actual course of fieldcraft survival real quick. Um, yes. What, I, you mentioned, uh, I think I don't even know if we we're recording yet. You guys have the the two day training, right? The survival training.
1: That's my favorite course. One of my favorite courses to teach, um, because I get the overnight component with the students, and there are so many lessons that are learned uh, around the fire that are unscripted. They just happen. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation, and it's like, okay, I'll show you how to do X, Y, Z, and it's kind of like an added bonus plus it gives people a chance to shake out their gear and test it in a mostly controlled environment, which is only one night. Right. And we always keep the fire going all night.
0: So what, what can somebody that, that attends that course, what, what kind of expectation can they have out of that course in terms of what they're going to come away with?
1: They're going to, in that two day survival class, learn how to utilize tools better than they knew how to before. We focus a lot on how to use your knife properly how to build fires how to fashion equipment in the great outdoors with cordage how to uh, build shelters how to signal for help all of it is done with minimal kit because i don't want people investing their their nest egg on all this equipment that they don't know how to use yet until they realize what they actually need and what blows people's minds is how much you can accomplish with limited resources, as long as you learn how to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. So in that two-day class, I'm showing students like, okay, here's the knife that I use, and oh yeah, that's the one that you brought. But watch what I can do with a smaller one. Watch what how I can show you how to hold it and 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 carve differently. Here's how I can build fire under terrible uh, environmental conditions. This is how you can use your your ferro rod in the middle of the night. Like. I show the students how to do more with just a few things. Then I say, all right, now at the very end, here's some of the other stuff that you may want to get. You did it with this. Here's the better option. And when they learn how to do things the hard way, then they start experiencing the great outdoors a lot easier because they're packing with that knowledge of, man, I don't want to go through that again. This is what I'm going to carry. And it builds instead of a hobby, it builds a lifestyle where people are leaving their homes with the gear that they need in their pockets, as opposed to. Oh, I'm just going to throw that in the box of stuff that I'll take this weekend. It's like, no, you're going to start carrying that stuff every day, but it doesn't weigh you down. If you, if you understand what to carry and how to carry it.
0: Hmm. Um, the, uh, obviously this is a hunting podcast, right? Um, what do you, yeah. do you have an opinion as to what maybe you've seen out there? Cause you've been an outdoorsman all your life. Uh, What, what are hunters like the general uh, average hunter out there? What are they lacking the most in terms of survival skills or just knowledge about the outdoors? Would you say that, that they should really focus
1: on and learn? Land navigation, 100%. Land nav? Land nav, 100%. I've known a lot of hunters who have gotten turned around following blood trails back East. I've known a lot of hunters that cannot terrain associate. Um, Everyone wants to rely on the GPS these days, Mm -hmm. right? GPS or cell phone nav programs as opposed to getting a good topo map and understanding how to terrain associate, learning how to even doing something as simple as orienting a map north. A lot of guys don't know how to do that. And um, as simple as so what?
0: Sorry, I, just a little cut out there.
1: As orienting a map. Oh, right? gotcha, So gotcha. laying the map, yeah, laying the map so it lays exactly how the real physical features in the real world as opposed to the the or in relation to the 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 printed version um a lot of hunters don't understand the concept of like an emergency azimuth right so you get turned mm-hmm. around which way would you travel to the nearest road a lot of guys don't even ask that question man um, azimuth, that's...
0: that's a word i haven't heard in a long time man since I, probably <laughs> since i was in the marines <laughs> that's that's pretty fantastic explain to people what an azimuth is
1: yeah so azimuth and bearing uh, are interchangeable azimuth is a military term we use it at fieldcraft but i also say bearing in my classes Uh, i try to get the students to know how to read coordinates both in mgrs which is military grid reference system as well as uh, utm universal transverse mercator Um, so if they can do one they can do the either uh, do the other Um, so the azimuth is 360 degrees um, of of direction and again, you might be walking through the woods, you get lost, and it's like, damn, uh, which way is it to Main Street? I'm just coming up with the name of the road here. Yeah. And Main Street might be Westerly. And you might not have the greatest, uh, you know, base plate compass out there, but you have those stupid little button compasses. That's enough to get you Westerly to Main Street, you know? So I think general land nav is something that's sorely missing with Hunter's.
0: Because I, I, yeah, you're right, man. I think a lot of people they look at, well, hey, I've got Onyx on my my phone, and Onyx is a great piece of technology, but the 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 danger in that is the word technology. Uh, it's, it's 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 not as yeah. reliant as some people think. Like I, th- it's I love. I, I'm not talking smack about it because I I use it all the time. I use Onyx my and my my phone GPS and all that kind of stuff every time I go hunting. But I know how to get out um, because I, I do know land nav uh, fairly well. I could probably use a refresher, man. I, I would, you know, just talking about that. I'd love to take your course. I and like I, I am just I, I geek out about that stuff. There's a few things I geek out about, and it's it's like wildlife management, survival skills, like what you're talking about, and history, American history. I I, I love those kind of those, those three topics, you know, and so it's stuff I could talk about all all day long. Um, the, the How often do you do those courses, by the way?
1: I teach LandNav at least four times a year. Um, and it's going to be more next year because I'm going to be traveling to different locations. Um, I always tell people this with LandNav, right? And I, this is why the listener should geek out. Um, I always say, how cool would it be to have a superpower where you could travel through the woods in the middle of the night, counting your paces, following your compass bearings, and you could pop out exactly Where you want, where you're in the middle of nowhere, but you hit the spot that you wanted to get to because you know distance and direction, Mm -hmm. you know how to use your tool. That, in in a, you know the crazy red dawn scenario, you could in theory create a bug out route through the deep woods, following just pacing and a compass, and you could find your way to whatever stash of goodies that you want. Like I tell. People like if you want to know like true Minuteman skills, Patriot skills that you know the the colonists used during the American Revolution, learn Land F, right? Because mm-hmm. you become you become so capable you can you can easily, easily give people distances and directions to come to you and you're not following trails, right? You're not following lines of drift that could be a danger point Mm -hmm. so i always tell people like it's limitless what you can do with land nav, and it gives you a superpower so yeah we teach that at least four or five times a year and there's going to be more next year Um, and the courses are getting more and more popular because people are realizing the value of it
0: oh totally especially in today like dude the the way the world is today this would be invaluable we we, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and i'm not I, i'm not a conspiracy theorist and i, I don't think the the world is going to burn down tomorrow however like this is a tumultuous time we live in i i mean everything from from our economy to to our political leaders to the war in ukraine to uh you know shenanigans coming out of china and north korea you, you know you never know what's going to happen um and, yeah. and so
1: go ahead and i was going to say and in- People are relying on a system that has been running, but we know that foreign governments have been trying to hack our systems. And if mm-hmm. they can hack if they can hack Sony over a stupid movie that was about Kim Jong-un, right? Which is actually pretty funny. But uh, if they can hack Sony, who's saying that they can't hack Garmin? Or they can't hack one of these companies that has all of the capability to provide us GPS technology? So that grid could go down in a national security event Mm -hmm. that grid could go down in a hacking event but what doesn't go down is your map and compass
0: folks i have never been great at sitting down and doing a bunch of research to find the right tag in the right state for the right species that's why i rely on eastman's tag hub i don't know if you guys have checked it out yet but eastman's tag hub takes a trusted hunting research you rely on and have for years to a powerful new digital platform you could jump in there and find the right hunting units in 11 different states and try to find the perfect tag to fit your budget and your goals it's a great way to cut out all that external research that just gives you a headache And if you're anything like me, you just don't have the patience for it. Let them do the work for you. And the cool part about Eastman's Tag Hub is it's a monthly payment option. You don't have to pay some big fee to get into it. It starts at like 7 bucks a month. And it gives you access to everything to include access to the world-famous Eastman's Hunting Journal magazines. It's a great deal, guys. Check it out at taghub.eastmans.com. and do you feel like there is where I'm going with this actually is um people putting a level of importance or prioritization on the wrong things like when covid first hit you had you had these idiots piling fucking toilet paper in their basement by you know thousands of rolls like why why toilet paper of all things uh, uh you, you know like as if this is some apoc am I going to say this right apocalyptic event I think I said that right, right. <laughs> it's yeah, a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's not like it was like that, but but of all things, it was. It, it I I would say you know I'm I'm 41 years old, um, and and uh, of all things in my life, I, I've been to I've been to a couple of different wars. Uh, I, I've lived in a lot of different states. I've seen a lot of different things and political leaderships and and turmoil in the world. It was one of those events where it was like there was this super. Uh, heaviness of what is unknown in the future and, and i was i was planning on various different things to protect my family and and make sure we were safe and the last thing on my mind was toilet paper and that's what people are stocking up on versus knowing land nav hey did was that you that did that land nav video on
1: youtube did you do one of those uh, i i have done one of those on youtube for fieldcraft on how to be more accurate with your compass
0: Okay. That's the one. I watched that. I don't know. That was probably, probably last spring or something.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so you guys have those kind of resources. Um, You have the land nav courses and then you have the two day survival courses. Am I missing anything else?
1: Oh my gosh. We do mobility courses where you're learning how to uh, use your off-road vehicle and, and set it up and learn things like how to wagon wheel for perimeter security Uh, we run all the shooting classes so there's pistol rifle and precision long rifle uh all the medical courses and then on top of that we're doing some of these like onesie twosies uh where it's like go rigs and coffee we just come in and you kind of meet the community and you just share common you know common beverages common coffee Mm -hmm. um you know and then we're doing these other things like in north carolina when i get there we're going to do uh uh, a Remington 870 armor class and hopefully another Glock course uh, to get armor certification. So we're trying to build this, this community of reliant people. I'm um, sorry, self-reliant people. Um, but we also want that community to rely on one another. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Hey, there's no reason why you can't have a doctor or a medic in your neighborhood. There's no reason why you can't have someone who's very skilled with say small engine repair. You know, we want to bring all these people together because we find that the common thread is that idea of I'm not going to trust someone to do a job that I should be able to do on my own. Yeah. You know, and and we've seen the government fail over and over and over in providing even the basic services. I mean, after Hurricane Katrina, they couldn't even give up water correctly. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? no so, kidding, man so yeah. I, don't, I don't trust the government to, to help me.
0: I went and he, I went. I had to go to Houston for a work thing. Like it was uh, thirteen or fourteen months after the hurricane, and it was still a shit show down there. Like that's it, the yeah. What you said about the government response. Um, yeah, it's it's disappointing to say the least. <laughs> um, turning this back to I. I and we've we've been uh, we've been going here for quite a while here. I, I want to turn this back to kind of the hunting topic because. Um, I, the the biggest thing is what what I wanted people to get out of this episode was what fieldcraft survival is, uh, the importance of prioritizing things that you guys teach because I, I actually I didn't know you guys did that mobility course that sounds pretty badass I'd love to do that. Um, there's a, I, I mean I'd love to do all of them man <laughs> I'll just be honest with that that stuff is awesome. Do you guys do any kind of online like uh, you know like an e course kind of thing with that stuff or or is it all just in person?
1: So we do, we've done webinars in the past, you know, it's usually on our platform called Locals. Um, It's Mm. not our platform that we use it. Um, So we have a a paid wall there. Uh, Mike does have a Patreon account. Um, And we have done some digital training in the, in the past. Um, But a lot of it is best done in person. You know, we do a weekly free, seminar called Responsible Citizen, uh, where, you know, the students are learning. They come to our headquarters, they learn. How to be a trained observer they learn a little bit of first aid they learn some survival skills um, so that's been a weekly program for over a year now um, we're really just trying to offer a lot of different options and people are always like well you know how come you don't have anything here and it's like well for us to go there it requires you know a lot of logistics it's, it's easier for people to come to us and here's the other thing there are so many schools that say this is where we train right like i've been to sig sour academy probably 20 something times and to go there, I have to go there. They don't come to me. Right. So I think that just shows a level of willingness too. like, listen, guys, this is where we're going to do it. This is where we can provide the best services. We already have everything in place. You need to be willing to come to us. Mm. And that's why we're trying to trying to branch out. Yeah. Um, one of the classes uh, talking about hunting, which kind of gives an idea of how we benefit the hunter. We did a hunter prep class last year in, in Utah, which was well attended and we combined elements of long-range shooting with, you know, ballistics. And we told, you know, all the guys were like, okay, we're going to chronograph your rifles, and we're going to run it through a ballistic program, so you'll know exactly how much terminal velocity you have, um, and how many, you know, foot-pounds of energy you have. We're going to do a Kims game where you're going to do an observation exercise in the field, so you can utilize your binoculars, your spotting scope. We're going to go over some common medical emergencies, like impaling yourself on a broadhead. Um, you know, falling out of a tree stand. If you're an East coast hunter, yeah. you know, we did all of this stuff and then we, we wrapped up the, the course of the game of uh, uh, hunting rifle horse where we we're in a 270 range and we're like, okay, you have to call your shot and you can shoot at steel at whatever distance, but are you going to go standing, kneeling prone? Are you going to go, you know, and it was one of the best classes I've ever taught. So even though, even though the company has military uh, roots, we are absolutely, absolutely trying to uh, adapt uh, what we teach to different audiences and show that all these skills are universal, right? Like yeah. the skills that you need to be an effective marksman to put rounds down on paper or over in a theater of, of war, same skills you're going to apply as a hunter. You mm-hmm. know, so they're all universal and they're all things that we use to know getting back to that point yep but society says oh guns are bad don't learn those you know right so right. Listen, listen, come learn with the tools that that made this country
0: yeah man that is awesome i i'm i'm like super stoked i uh, that we're talking and and you you know you guys have all this put together this is this is what we need this is the kind of stuff we need i think i, I think it's gonna like you you were talking about building communities and stuff and this this is the kind of community building that needs to take place to, uh, to, to fend off some of this, this weak-minded mentality that, that has saturated our, our society. Um, and, and I just, I love it, man. I can't, I can't say enough good stuff about it, man. I, I just, I really appreciate you guys doing this. Um, and I think it's important for hunters. You know, a lot of us, um, you know, my show is, is, is about Western hunting. Uh, we, we talk a lot about going into the back country. We, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, hunting elk and hunting bear, uh, hunting mule deer in the high country uh, you know subalpine kind of uh, terrain uh, different kind of environments whether you, you know like uh, the the west is very famous for for heading out and it's 70 degrees uh, but you wake up in the morning and there's 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 a foot of snow on the ground what did you do you know things that I think the uh, a lot of people aren't really prepared for and so I think that kind of meshing these two things together like this is is super critical and I, I think that that's why Eastman's was um, really excited to, you know, kind of work with you guys. I know they, they came down and did that event in Heber with you guys uh, this last summer. Um, and and that kind of stuff is just critical. And it's a, it's that community building that's going to make us all better. And, and so just, you know, thanks for what you guys do. It's 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 fantastic.
1: Well, um, anytime, man. And, 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 you know, just adding on to that idea of weakness and, and strength, continuing with this universal, one of the, my biggest problems I have uh, with the hunting community is the fact that we self-sabotage, which to me is the definition of weakness. Mm-hmm. Here, here we're trying to promote hunting. And I don't care if you go out with a muzzle loader. I don't care if you go out with a bow and arrow. I don't care if you go out with a crossbow. I don't care if you go out with an air rifle, a 22, a shotgun, a, a centrifier a rifle, a pistol. It doesn't matter. You're hunting. And I think it's really weak when people are like, oh you did this, but you didn't do that. Well yep. you're you're spreading weakness, man. Why why does that even matter? can't you just be proud of someone for going out there you know what i mean like i think that's that's a a pandemic in our own community oh absolutely of, man you know why don't we promote all the hunting aspects and be like dude good job yeah. just say good job. that's strong as it, opposed to yeah but you didn't you know <laughs> oh absolutely
0: yeah kevin that's a huge topic on my show is you know, I, I'm I'm trying to do all this work to kind of unify hunters because we have as as hunters, we have uh this this enemy collectively together that is much greater and a much bigger threat than whether or not somebody's a bow hunter versus a rifle hunter. An SC and that's the anti hunting yeah. movement. And, right. and and the the folks that are that are just so anti uh, Reality—they uh, are opposed to our lifestyle, and they are opposed to what we do, and they don't understand the depths of of our primal needs and 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 our our nature to pursue these wild animals, and uh, they don't understand our passion for the conservation side of it. And meanwhile, we're fighting over whether or not a 6.5 Creedmoor is big enough to kill an elk, and if you if you use one, you're an idiot. You, you know, and 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 it goes back to what we were talking about with this social media thing you know, it's, it's, it's okay to say something because you're sitting on a couch a thousand miles away from the dude you're talking shit about that. You would never say that if you were sitting in a bar, having a beer together, sharing hunting stories, that, that contention wouldn't exist. So social media, I think, uh, there's a lot of good that comes out of it, but there's a lot of that negativity that feeds into the hunting society. And, and, and talking about self sabotaging, you have that aspect of it. And then you have these, um, I'm trying to watch my mouth, man. I don't know if you're, you're okay with me. Uh, I, I know it's my show, but uh, I, I want to be respectful. I, I cuss a
1: lot. Uh, I am a hey, Marine. I was, I was a teacher for years, and I had to bite my tongue. And when I got <laughs> to field they were like, you, you can say what you need to say. And I was like, oh, thank God. God. Yeah, so, okay, good. More, All right. Well, you know,
0: talking about self-sabotaging, you've got these dickheads out there stealing antlers and, and, uh, what, you know, I, I've got a, there's a lot of thievery going on lately. And, um, we, we were talking Aaron Snyder, I, uh, somebody stole his bull Uh, my buddy, uh, Adam from stuck in the rut, somebody stole his bull out of Billings, Montana. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, is that kind of what you were getting at with the self-sabotaging stuff?
1: Oh man. So I don't even know if the people that are stealing those animals are even hunters. You know, I was talking to, to someone True, over at yeah. Eastman's earlier today, and we were saying how, you know, Aaron lives not far from the reservation. And listen, Native Americans, they got a, a shitty deal years and years ago. And the reservations, if you've ever traveled through them, they're not exactly the greatest places in the world. Um, you yeah. know, and there are some, some Natives who are uh, who are very anti illegal natives. And what I mean by illegal natives, I'm talking about natives that engage in illegal activities, whether they are, uh, you know, stealing, they're, they're, they're selling things that they shouldn't be selling stuff like that. Yeah. Um, some native Americans are like, Look, we're trying to move forward. And you guys are holding us back. Um, so there's a theory that because Aaron lives near there, that potentially it's never going to be found because it's on the res. Um And listen, I am all for native American rights, but If you're a Native American and you stole something, you're a terrible Native American. I don't mind saying that. Um, It's just human.
0: Thievery is thievery, no matter if you're Native American, Asian, white, black, purple, pink, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. Human is human.
1: That's right. Right. You're uh, a crazy liberal.
0: (laughs) Well, I I think I've weeded out all the crazy liberals that listen to this show. I've offended all of them.
1: I don't. I don't think anyone caught my last line. So. Oh, did you? Um, yeah.
0: Did you cut out, man? I'm sorry. For some reason, we're just having a heck of a time no, with the phone service.
1: No, I just said. that. Uh, you know, the crazy liberals that are out there—they're subhuman. So yeah, yes,
0: uh, yes, correct, correct. I love it.
1: Yeah. So, so Aaron lost his bull, and I mean, how much time, and effort, and money did he have to put into getting that? And someone just went off and stole it. Like, it's in a way, it's the equivalent of and it's not it's not the same obviously and there are going to be people who are going to be like oh my god he's making the the comparison and i am it's like stolen valor okay obviously mm-hmm. if you steal valor we're talking life and death on a battlefield but you're still trying to steal the honor of saying hey i shot this yeah i killed this animal this is mine you're claiming someone else's deed as your own it, that makes you a total d-bag you know what I mean? Like, Man,
0: I haven't ever put that together like that. That's a great analysis. That that's a great analogy. It it, it There's a lot of similarities between that and stolen valor because, for those of you that, that don't know, stolen valor is when somebody pretends to be, uh, a, like a veteran or something. Like there was that guy that dressed up as a marine, um, but he was wearing his his ribbons like totally. I mean, they weren't even applicable to, to the marine corps. But, uh, for some reason they want to pretend like they're they're either a veteran or or, or whatever. That's stolen valor. Uh, and, and what you're saying is a pretty good analogy, man. Um, somebody probably going to put that rack on their wall and act like they're the ones that shot it or, uh, yeah. they're going to sell it to somebody who's going to do that. Um, you know, it's bullshit.
1: And like I said, I'm not trying to make the, the perfect comparison between a guy that served his country and one who's pretending he did. And then someone who hunted and didn't, but I'm just saying like, it's the idea that you're trying to take someone else's deed. Right. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to. You're, try- it, you're trying to take someone else's accomplishment and claim that it's your own. And it, it, that drives me absolutely bonkers. Me too. Uh, you know, as a writer, right? As a writer, if someone were to take my writing and say, oh, I came up with this idea. This is my idea. I wrote this. Mm-hmm. I would lose my shit. I would go knock on someone's door. Um, because that's my time that I put in there. Those are my thoughts. Those are, those are the lessons and the, the knowledge that I learned by bleeding and sweating and and crying out in the field and learning from giants. Yeah. And for someone to say that that's theirs, that would drive me crazy. So it's taking, it's stealing someone's deed. It makes you again, subhuman.
0: It's and to top it off that what, what makes it even worse for, and it it really shouldn't make it worse, but it does kind of make it worse. Like Aaron Snyder, I know he pisses a lot of people off or whatever, but he's one of the most authentic dudes in the hunting community. Like he's just an authentic guy. Like you, you're you get what you're gonna get with Aaron. There's no phoniness. There's no fakeness. He's just he's just a, a, a I am who I am kind of dude, and uh, he's super honest. And, and I just I really respect the guy. He's a badass hunter. He worked his butt off to get that elk. Uh, and, and you know, same thing with my buddy Adam over at Stuck in the Rut. The, you know, those guys that stuck in the rut worked their tails off. And that was Adam's biggest bull. To date i believe i believe that's what they said because I, I was helping share that image too um to date and they pull into some hotel and within hours the the bull is gone out of the back of the truck and unreal it, it's dude it is so unreal it, i just can't imagine the mentality that somebody has to go through and steal somebody's bowl like, like i i just it's 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 one thing okay there's a car somebody left running and, and somebody else is down on their luck and they see it and they take it because they think they can, they, can, they can get money on it or whatever. That's still thievery. That's still thievery. But there's a slight level of justification if you're looking at it from, you know, some poverty stricken, desperate individual. You could see where that thought would come from. But to steal a bull elk out of the back of somebody's truck, you're a douchebag, man. That 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 is a yep. douchebag move.
1: And, and here's the thing with Aaron, right? Aaron and I have known each other for a very, very long time. I've spent a night at his house or two nights <laughs> at his house in Colorado when he lived there. I know his wife. Oh, nice. Uh, I've, been a, I've been a sponsored Kaparu outdoorsman for years, right? Angie that works at Kaparu is a sweetheart. Lover to death. Shout out to you, Angie. Um, <laughs> but Aaron you know he stopped by he stopped by Fieldcraft a couple weeks ago and i swung right by i dropped everything i gave him a big bear hug asked him how he's doing you know and he was you know telling me about his company and this and that and and here's you you hit the nail on the head with Aaron that guy yeah he's an intimidating dude he's basically like a, a modern day caveman that just kills shit right <laughs> that's a great way to put yeah. it and and i i know that Aaron has gotten mad at people uh outside of his company right people who have stolen his designs or Mm -hmm. or his images whatever but i've talked to people that work for the company we've hosted them i'm friends with a lot of people they're like no aaron has never yelled at anyone at the company it's a family at kafaru if this came down to someone saying look i'm stealing that bull because uh my family's hungry i would put money on it if you knocked on aaron's door and said hey man i know you got a bull. my family's starving can i have food aaron would give you food absolutely like like that's the type of person he is so me nuts that you know something bad like that happened to a good individual like if you told me right now if aaron called me right now and i was like dude uh i'm broken down five hours you i need a hand i'm jumping in my car yeah right like that's the type of friend that's the type of person aaron is to me and the fact that someone could do that to a good person that i'm friends with that bothers me to no end me too Um, man
0: Me too. It just, it makes my, it makes, it makes my blood boil. And I, I, you know, it's been said, you you can ask my wife, I I can be an Henri bugger, (laughs) but, but like this just makes me super Henri. I I just, it it just is the, the type of thievery. I know the work it takes to get a bull elk down. And furthermore, I know the work that somebody like Aaron puts into it. Like this dude doesn't no offense to anybody that like you know pays to hunt on a private ranch or something like that or or, or a guided hunt or, or, or a road hunt or something like that no offense to it because i again i as long as it's legal i am open to every type of hunting out there and and i i don't disparage any style method of take uh, any of that as long as it's legal right um but that's not aaron Aaron goes into the backcountry and puts in miles and just about kills himself to get these animals. And he gets the ones that nobody else can get.
1: And With a struggle. Y- yeah. Way. Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, that's even an added component to it. Like, like, who does that? Man, I mean, the dude is just a freaking animal. Like you said, he's a caveman. And um uh, I I don't know where I was going with this. I kind of lost my train of thought there building that up. But uh the the point is is oh, that's what it was. It, the the amount of work that it takes to put get a bull like that and the way that Aaron goes about doing it. It's just it's just such a blow to hear somebody ripped him off. You know what I mean? It's just such a bull. Like like everybody knows that uh braggadocious hunter that's kind of an asshole and and thinks he's a shit and he goes out and gets a bull and if somebody stole his bull out of the back of his truck cuz he was just showing it off at the You know, whatever. Um, It's still a blow, and it's still thievery, and it still shouldn't happen. But, but the for some reason, there's some added components and pain and and a and a a level of of blow, (laughs) if you will. Uh, That's that's just making making it worse with Aaron, a a person like Aaron and anybody else that's authentic like that and puts that much time and work and effort into it. It's just it's man, it's just maddening.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So. Well, dude, um, is there, is there anything else like th- when, when we're talking about kind of meshing the, the hunting space with the survival space and field craft survival and within the, the hunting community, uh, that you feel is, is, is problematic out there and, and you want to talk about, does that make sense? How 100%. Ask that?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So here's my, my challenge to everyone that's listening look at the world from different perspectives look at what you're trying to accomplish from different perspectives you're looking at the world right now if you're listening to this most likely from the hunting perspective you're probably shopping at stores that sell all hunting equipment and you probably see the granola hippie rei backpacker walking through and you're like oh look at this guy right he's carrying a folding knife instead of a fixed blade whatever, whatever you know what i mean like why don't you look at how that guy is able to stay out in the cold longer with the gear that he's using? And I think that's ultimately what we need to do as a community is we need to adopt what's best from multiple perspectives, right? Maybe there's a different product that is being sold to the backpacking community, or maybe there's a bushcraft item from years ago that it's old technology, but it's still relevant technology that we should be carrying. So when you're looking at what you carry and how you accomplish your mission or your goal how you build your fire what kind of tarp configuration you use or whatever don't just look at it from one set of eyes don't look at it from the filter of being a hunter say all right well what would the backpacker do what would the bushcrafter do what would the you know the the guy that just goes to the store and says hey, or give me whatever like what would that guy buy because maybe that's gonna give you the best answer, the best solution and give you the best success in the great outdoors as opposed to just being narrow-minded and, and laser focused through just one one filter.
0: Man Kevin, the, the one of the things that I love the most about doing this show is I you know there's always like a nugget I can get out of each guest that comes on. I learn something. Uh, I, I love learning and I, I learn I can I, I have like key takeaways I get out of each episode. Um, it's interesting you say that, man, because I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'm guilty of that. I, I have been, in fact, I am guilty to a point of which I have used the term granola hippie. And and <laughs> I, I have said, what in the hell is that granola hippie doing out here? This is, this is no play. This is, you know, this is man's country. <laughs> and so, um. but he was out there and he was doing great. He was, in fact, he wasn't just out there. He, the, the dude was out there thriving. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that a lot of that, um, at least from my perspective, is it's like, I, I think a lot of this is ego driven. And for, for me, I, I look at that and it's like, you know what, you're not you're not a you're not a backcountry hunter. You're not out here trying to trying to kill a 700 pound, you know, animal with giant spears on his head kind of thing. And, uh, you're just a granola hippie, but maybe, maybe if I look deep inside of myself, I'm looking at that and I'm, I, there, there might be like a hint of jealousy that somebody else is out there enjoying that. Uh, and there's no reason for that. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? And, and what, what we could, we could take away in terms of learning from, from people that come at this from, cause I, I talk smack sometimes about like, um, you know, as hunters, The public land access issues and wildlife management issues that we we talk about a lot on this show uh, much of it is funded from hunting and and hunting programs and hunting organizations it's not funded by the bird watcher and and i i think i relate that the bird watcher to what you were talking about the granola uh rei guy um and i and you're right man i'm I'm wrong i i that's that's a key takeaway for me for this episode i'm wrong to do that i'm not I'm not sure if I'm going to totally stop using those terms because I think they're funny,
1: but you're right. Listen, it's okay, to, it's okay to be an equal opportunity hater, right? You can make fun <laughs> of everyone. The minute that you, you create like a, a class of people that you're not going to make fun of, well, that becomes a safe cow, right? So uh, – Yeah. Look, I make fun of the granola hippie just as much as I can make fun of the hunter. Um, I will say that I probably won't have the same Bernie Sanders sticker on the back of my car I like that granola hippie guy. But mm-hmm. that granola hippie guy probably spent a lot of money on beer that I hope he'll share one with me. As long as it's not some like crazy skunky IPA, give me some, give me like a good porter and I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there you, go. you know that dude, that dude's spending like 18 or 20 bucks on a six pack when I'm you know rolling around with whatever you know cheap swill i could find so uh you know i think i think that's important like you gotta you just gotta just have a respect for folks right respect people until they give you a reason not to keep your guard up until they give you a reason to you know put it up even more um and like i said learn from learn from everyone there's there there's a problem in the training community where people say well i've already done that what could i learn from you well i guarantee you probably didn't get the same method of instruction. You probably didn't get the same delivery. There's always something you can learn. And you always learn something new when you have new perspective and you have experience, right? You know, I have a background in martial arts and mm-hmm. I could teach the same lesson as a white belt or, or to a white belt. And then if I get that person up to a purple belt or whatever, they're going to see that lesson, but they'll see it from a new set of eyes. So it's important to see the world from, again, the new set of eyes, multiple perspectives, because then you have a better understanding of the of the total picture. And that kind of helps you, again, formulate the best uh, solution to the problems that you have. I
0: love that. That's that's a great concept, man. I I think we would if 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 100 percent of Americans took 10 percent of that and applied it to their lives, we would be a bit this would be a better place. And so that, that's great stuff, dude. Um, I, I know I'm keeping you over an hour, man. I, I just, I, I really appreciate, I, I really enjoy this conversation. Um, I'd, I'd love to do this again in the future if, if you're up for
1: it. I don't know, man. You offended me with that granola hippie comment. I don't know if I could. <laughs> I mean, what if I no. sent you,
0: I, I, I could send you a nice pair of Birkenstocks and a six pack of, um, what was the beer you said you drank?
1: Uh, I'm a good Porter fan. Okay, okay. Right, no IPAs. Yeah, no it, IPAs. If there I, is, I, I. If it I... doesn't smell like patchouli when it gets to my door, I don't want it. Right? <laughs> it's got to smell a little patchouli, and you know, maybe throwing like a an hemp and a couple beads, maybe a crystal or two. Yes, you know? sir.
0: Oh yeah, I. I do have a. I have a couple of. Uh, I have a couple questions here for you. So first of all, you're you're living in Utah County in Utah right now, and and that's going to change here shortly. Um, do you fly fish yeah. the the uh the Provo rivers?
1: i have uh one of my good buddies mike o'brien uh fly fish with me utah he is my fly fishing guru out here that Mm -hmm. i i kind of use um and i fish the provo in the middle of winter and i fish in the summer and it's amazing it's a great fish
0: it is amazing i I, that's that's one of my rivers that i I miss the most about uh when when i left utah uh it's a it's a great fishery but um we probably shouldn't say that on the show in case it's uh, actually you know what we should like the, the Provo River, whether it's the middle or the lower, like it's not a secret, folks. I, I said that on the show, uh, Kevin, probably, probably like a year ago, I mentioned the Provo River yeah. and fly fishing it and whatnot. And somebody sent me a nasty email about how I shouldn't give away spots like that. And I don't normally. I don't normally. But come on. It's like the best fishery in the state of Utah. It's not a freaking secret, folks. It's not some yeah. hidden secret. Everybody's there.
1: And it's like 30 miles long so what yeah. are you giving <laughs> you know exactly it's somewhere, on the, it's somewhere on the provo you know like go find it
0: one of the biggest one of the biggest brown trout i ever caught was right behind the dam of jordan l and i mean right behind the dam and i nailed this sucker and it was funny because i was i i was working for a company where they would send me to houses to do like sales calls right and so i was yeah. in between my appointments and um the the river was catch and release and so i'm like i was by myself and i'm this is before like smartphones got super you know good at taking pictures or whatever so i'm trying to figure out how to take these selfies holding this giant brown trout i mean we're talking it it was like a 28 inch brown trout out of of la provo Mm -hmm. um it was a monster and and i'm like this fish is getting all over my shirt uh, I've got, I've got it all over my hands and everything. And I kind of rinsed my hands off, realized what time it was, jumped in my truck ran back down into, into like Provo or Oram or whatever, and, and ran, ran to my sales call. And I got in the house and realized I smelled like fish. Like, I mean, you would have thought I had been rolling in a fish factory. Um, and, and the customer finally, I could see the look on their face. They're like, like, dude, this guy smells like freaking fish. What in the hell's going on with this guy? And, and finally I just fessed up. I'm like, folks, I... I really apologize about the smell, but I was just fishing on the river and I caught a really nice fish and, uh, I ended up showing them the pictures on my, it was like the iPhone one or something like that. You know, it was one of the
1: first ones. (laughs)
0: And so always a funny story about the, the, the Provo river,
1: man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a great river. Um, you know there there's so many secret spots on it. I floated it before, mm-hmm. um, and there are some other there are other spots. You know up in the mountains. I always tell people like, yeah, you can go to the Provo, right? Or you can throw on a backpack, grab a fly rod, or grab a spinning rod, and you're gonna hike your your ass off. But you'll get to a spot where there's very little pressure. Yeah. Because I mean you gotta you gotta search for it, but you'll find them. And their backpack fishing out here is incredible.
0: Well, I tell you what, man. If you ever find yourself in North Idaho. Um, Hit Mm -hmm. me up because uh, I've I've got the secret honey holes and and we could do it. We could either drive up to the river or there's other ones I know where we could backpack in. So just hit me up. Tell everybody, tell everybody where they can find Fieldcraft Survival and uh, and your Instagram and and anything else you want people to know.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, you guys can find my book, Uh, 101 Skills You Need to Survive in the Woods. It's on Amazon. Um, I don't know if it's in stock right now. It sold out not too long ago, but we also have it on the Fieldcraft survival website wait can, so that's it's it's 100, 101 101 you need to survive in the woods
0: okay i'm, I'm gonna check this real quick because i'll link it i'll link it in the show notes
1: yeah yeah so you can get signed copies on the fieldcraft survival website uh if you guys want to follow fieldcraft uh on instagram it's at fieldcraft survival you can also look up at fieldcraft training that's the training branch of our our company Located in North Carolina, you can find me on Instagram at Estella Wild Ed. That's my old company, Estella Wilderness Education. So it's uh, E-S-T-E-L-A Wild Ed, E-D. Um, you guys can email me, right? You can email me if you like the show, uh, Estella at fieldcraftsurvival.com. I always reply to emails. Um, I'm pretty open to, to talking to pretty much anyone. So if you ask me a dissertation question, you might get a short response (laughs) because I don't have time to answer those but uh, I'm happy to, to give my opinion. Um, you might even get me when I'm driving and I might do an audio message back to you just because it's easier than typing everything out and it's quicker. But uh, guys, I'll tell you, you can find us all over, right? We're going to be coming to a lot of different places around the country. Um, we're on YouTube. Just look up Fieldcraft Survival. You'll probably find something that we've we've made.
0: And your podcast, right? That's Fieldcraft Survival. That's the one I listen to?
1: Yes. Yes, yes it is.
0: Okay. Uh, your book, um, is that available audio book? I always like to clarify that.
1: So, yeah, it is uh, a guy named Matthew Boston was the narrator. They wouldn't let me narrate it. They said, you're not a voice trained actor. And uh, the sad thing is the first guy that they had uh, read the book or a sample of his voice, I heard it. And the guy said, like a clown. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, that's not me. So <laughs> oh, at no. least this guy, yeah, at least this guy, Matthew Boston, has a little bass in his in his voice. It sounds like his nuts have dropped. And uh, <laughs> I was like, this is the guy. I'm good with him. But uh, yeah, the audiobook people like is especially the psychology uh, component of it, the mindset component. But really, the the manuscript version, the the paper version, it opens and it lays flat. So when you're training the skills, the book is going to lay open for you. Um, people really like the way it's laid out, and uh, and I'm super proud of it.
0: That's fantastic. I'm actually gonna get. I'm gonna get both the audio and the paperback because I, I, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to books. I like to have it on my shelf, and I, I feel like when you're when you're talking about like survival skills, it's good to have the paperback version because you can actually go through and make notes and and you really you know you bookmark certain pages because it's a book that you'll read and then you'll always go back and reference. And so the paperback I think is super important, and it, it looks like. Right. As of right now, there are. Um, yeah, there's paperbacks available on Amazon. And you said you had them on, on the Fieldcraft Survival website, too.
1: Yeah, the ones on the website, uh, the Fieldcraft site are signed. Uh, Amazon, they're not signed. It's the same book. Um, and and honestly, uh, it doesn't matter if you buy it one place or the other. I'm just happy that you're buying it. And, you know, I always tell people, like, if you want to, like, say thank you. Buy an extra copy and donate it to your local library for distribution, which that doesn't make my publisher happy. It doesn't make my publisher happy because it's like you're giving away the book for free, but all this knowledge, man, it's all for free anyway. Like I want people to share these skills and there should be no boundary uh, or barrier for how you acquire them. If you can't afford the book, then go to the library and take it out for free. I'm happy that you're learning.
0: Okay, sweet, man. I love it. I love it. I just bought your book on on Audible, and then I'm going to order the paperback off the website because i i want your uh, i want your John Henry man.
1: That'll be <laughs> sweet.
0: You. Well, thanks again for joining me. Um, hang out here just for a second after we uh we we hang up or uh, close wrap it up here, and I'll get a few more details from you, and we'll go from there, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. This was awesome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.